0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Here's a compelling, confronting question to kick off the night and an Open House conversation. Can you handle the truth? Lance Armstrong's case and the deepening mire he's in got us thinking this week about truth. In his case, it all apparently started off innocently, then somewhere a line was crossed... And despite his continual denials over so many years, according to the US Anti Doping Agency, there's overwhelming evidence that he's engaged in the biggest doping conspiracy in sports history. He's stepped down from the cancer charity he launched, Nike has dumped its sponsorship with him. So, what about the question of truth? None of us can cast the first stone on this question. According to my next guest, since childhood at home, at school, in church, he says we've all been trained not to be truthful. This may be a challenging conversation to hear, so I'd love to hear your take on it. Can you handle the truth? Can you be truthful, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Has that been you always? Or put it this way, can you handle the truth about yourself, the truth being put to you about you by someone else. Does truth win out in the end? We'd love to hear from you. one 300 or post on our Open House Community Facebook page. Put it this way. If Jesus says he is the way, the truth and the life, it must be hugely significant. But can we do it? How can we handle the truth? Brad Blanton will get us thinking deeply about this. He's authored a number of books on the theme of radical honesty. Brad is a psychologist and politician. So how does radical honesty work there? Brad, welcome to Open House. Thank you. When you reflect on a case like Lance Armstrong's that's now gone on for years, what lessons can we gain from that, do you think, Brad?
1: You're right. that Once you're caught in a lie and you continue to work on sustaining it, it's kind of equivalent to foreign policy for the United States of America. (laughs) I spent over 35 years as a clinical psychologist in Washington, D.C., and it's the best place in the world to become an expert on lying, because people start something going, some myth, and they're so invested in maintaining the myth that they're willing to do anything to keep the myth going, and the myth is that your identity is your reputation. Yes. And, of course, that was very strong on his part. His reputation was his identity. What he actually discovered when he healed himself was the fact that his reputation as a great athlete was at hand. And the thing is, he wasn't as knowledgeable about what he was doing to actually give himself an extra advantage when he first started. In it. He didn't really know. What he was doing wasn't really technically illegal then. And then he maintained the myth that what he did was the same, the equal, competitive with everybody else. And basically it wasn't.
0: Brad, you say that lying is the primary source of modern human stress.
1: Well, lying has to do with living in the mind, maintaining your reputation with the assumption that who you are is your reputation. That's false. It's not who you are is a person sitting in a studio talking to me on the phone right now. And who I am as a person talking on a phone at the other end, that's my fundamental identity, which is always in the here and now. And whenever you think that who you are is your rep, you're into what causes lying, which is to maintain your image in the minds of other people. You imagine what other people will think about you, and you play to that.
0: And this involves self-deception, not just deceiving other people, even with white lies.
1: Self-deception is always a matter of deceiving other people. You can't really deceive yourself. You have to have two people there. You can deceive yourself if you're schizophrenic. But basically, you are always, even when you call it self-deception, it's always for the sake of deceiving other people.
0: And you say we actually become happier by being more honest, even when it's about something painful or, say, a taboo subject. How is it going to make us happier?
1: tell something that hurts or that is angry or that hurts your feelings or someone else's feelings, you have to go ahead and say it and then stick with them until you get over being hurt and get over being angry. If you don't get hurt and get angry, what you do is avoid it, and avoiding it, it persists forever. Hmm. When you experience an experience, it comes and then it goes away. And when you resist experiencing an experience, it persists.
0: But what if that becomes very uncomfortable for everyone and often a Mm. very difficult situation will be made even more difficult if we're patently and blatantly honest?
1: I'd say go for it. Go for the more difficult because the more difficult, when it's more honest and it's also more difficult, it's experienceable and you can get through it and get over it. And when you avoid it by lying, it persists. And you don't get over it. And your whole future is determined by maintaining the lie that you told them.
0: What are the techniques, what are the strategies you suggest for getting through that, though? Because it will be sometimes difficult and painful.
1: Basically, you tell the truth and let the chips fall where they may. You tell the truth. If you're hurt, you're hurt. If you're angry, you're angry. If the other person is hurt, they're hurt. If they're angry, they're angry. You keep talking. You deal with it. Meet up with eight o'clock. We're supposed to meet at seven. You're an hour late. I resent you for it. I tell you. You resent me for resenting you. We have an honest conversation about it. Fifteen minutes later, we have a beer and put our arms around each other and forgive each other. We have a deeper relationship because we told the truth about what we felt and thought. And then on the other side of that, we know we have someone we can depend on who will tell us the truth. That works better than the conventional lying that we're all taught to do by the way we're raised.
0: And this is where you say it creates a level of intimacy not possible if you're hiding something from someone.
1: In fact, intimacy is not possible at all if either one of the people are lying.
0: You've developed the notion of what you call futilitarianism. Tell us what (laughs) that means, Brett.
1: What I consider to be the most positive philosophy is what most people consider to be the most negative, and that is, the fundamental principle of utilitarianism is forget it. (laughs) 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 And basically, if you forget it and you tell the truth, you have to go through some moderately tense moments or some embarrassment or some hurt or anger or stuff like that. But the point is that you stick with other people as one being, relating to another, recognizing that you're all involved in a kind of experiment, which has to do with whether or not we can have co-hearted co-intelligence, or if I have to beat you in order to make myself be a hit. You're taught systematically to lie all your whole life. Your parents start it, your teachers continue it, and basically you're told to pretend that you're not pretending when you are. Mm-hmm. You're told how to lie. And basically, we're systematically taught to present the best image of ourselves we possibly can, regardless of whether or not it has anything to do with what we actually think or feel. And so we're systematically taught to lie by the church and by our education and by our parents. And basically, there is a whole new generation of us who've been going on now for a lot of years that have to do with a kind of ultimate revolution, which says, I'm not going to lie, whether you want me to or not, and if you don't like it, tough. We're going to tell the truth and let the chips fall where they may and discover what we can. Trust our co-hearted co-intelligence to come up with a creative and powerful solution. Radical honesty is about telling the truth and discovering what's necessary to resolve what occurs as a result.
0: Even when it comes to little white lies, Brad,
1: yeah, little white lies are the most pernicious lies that there are that keeps us alienated from each other. It's a kind of an ongoing personal PR campaign that has to do with the ultimate kind of phoniness, which is to basically play like what you actually think or what you actually feel or what you actually done is not what you thought, felt or
0: did. Yes. Now you've been able to put this to work in a range of experiences and contexts in your own life including politics in the U.S., you've twice stood for the House of Representatives there. How on earth did your radical honesty work out in that context?
1: (laughs) Not very well. (laughs) I mean, it did did much better than I thought it would do. Actually, I ran as an independent for Congress in the United States against Eric Cantor, who's the current Republican House Majority Leader. I ran against him in the most conservative district in America, and I said, I'm running against him just so that the intelligent people in this district can vote for some option. And I got 25% of the vote as an independent, which was a record for an independent in wow. Virginia. Wow. But I still got defeated. He spent $1.5 million, and I spent $80,000. But I was out there making a significant difference in the minds of other people's sake. Thank God someone who's willing to tell the truth is running for Congress.
0: It's a very, very significant stake to drive into the ground. So could you give us some suggestions? First thing tomorrow, we wake up Monday morning and determined to live a more truthful life with ourselves and with each other. How are we going to do that?
1: I recommend you make an agreement with a friend or your spouse or someone that you know, and you say, look, I've been hearing about this idea called radical honesty. I want to try it out as an experimental test. So what I'd like to do is for you and I to make an agreement for two weeks, we'll be completely honest with each other. We'll judge the truth about whatever we think, whatever we feel, and whatever we've done. And after two weeks, we'll have a conversation, make an evaluation, whether we want to continue doing that or not whether we want to go back to our old ways of relating. I recommend that you do that as an experiment and find out for yourself. If you want some coaching or guidance, you can go to com. I've written eight books about this. Yes. Radical Honesty and Practicing Radical Honesty and Radical Parenting and a whole lot of other books basically are about what happened to people whenever they actually took the risk of making an agreement with each other to live out loud and let the chips fall where they may. I have a very difficult time finding a negative example. I mean, people who thought they'd get fired, they told the truth to their boss, told the truth to their boss, and risk getting fired. What they generally get is a promotion, increase in pay, more responsibility within two or three months. What happens is that all the boogeyman tales you've been told all your life, about how terrible it will be, if you're honest, to turn out to be short-term kind of scary, but long-term extremely beneficial. And that's what people find out when they actually take the risk of practicing.
0: Got to always say that truth works, and truth is such a fundamental of the human experience.
1: We have a kind of a bumper sticker with radical honesty. We don't guarantee anything, What we have is a saying, which basically is, on a bumper sticker, it says, radical honesty It works pretty good most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best PR
0: we have. (laughs) I reckon that's going to be a good start to the week for the next two weeks. Brad Blanton, thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. I'm sure it's got us all thinking. Good.